This was very interesting. A third of people have had sex with an ex, and 20% of people have done it more than once. Heck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I'm like, we're going we're gonna to get into that a little bit more. It's not the response I was expecting. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the Multi-Amory Podcast. I'm Jace. I'm Emily. And I'm Dedeker. We believe in looking to the future of relationships, not maintaining the status quo of the past. So whether you're monogamous, polyamorous, swinging, casually dating, or if you just do relationships differently, we see you and we're here for you. On this episode of the Multi-Amory Podcast, we're talking about decoupling with intention. It has been quite a while since we've had an exclusively breakup-focused episode, and right now, as the world continues to be ever-changing and unpredictable, so are our relationships. And so today, we're going to discuss intentionally breaking up, separating de-escalating, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we're going to talk about what steps might need to be taken to transition your life out of that relationship in a healthy way, how the transition may affect your other relationships if you have those, and the pros and cons and maybe some ways to evaluate the merits of trying to stay friends or not after a breakup. So I feel like we're coming full circle today a little bit. Like, Back in March, April, we had an episode talking about how to intentionally live with a partner if you're sort of thrust mm. into a partnered situation. Right. And now, now that things are kind of changing, uh, not necessarily in every part of the world are things getting better with the coronavirus, but um, in some parts they are, and perhaps people are starting to leave the relationships that they got into during this time. So we wanted to talk about that just because we've seen it happen a little bit here and there on our Facebook group and heard people talking about kind of de-escalating their relationships or leaving relationships. So I'm glad that we're getting to discuss intentionally breaking up today because it's nice. It's a nice idea to like intentionally do so. Yeah, well, we've definitely seen as a result of lockdown in countries that came out of lockdown before the United States did, uh, that there was definitely a divorce rate spike immediately afterwards. And there's a lot of factors contributing to that, um, uh, you know, not the least of which is just the stress of a global pandemic, the stress of being stuck in a house with somebody, maybe where the living situation is not ideal, and add to that if the relationship was already maybe not super great then that's another contributing factor to this as well. And I have been noticing on the Facebook group as well, you know, I feel like I have been seeing more people asking also about de-escalations or changing the status of a relationship. Maybe it's not a full-on decoupling, but just kind of renegotiating what this relationship is between the two of us, what role it's going to play, how we're going to live in each other's lives, things like that. So it definitely seems like a topic that's on people's minds right now. And hard to do with some intentionality sometimes. Definitely. Yeah, I, I still think probably the best decoupling experience that I have ever had was with you, Jace. Um, even though, you know, that's not to say that it wasn't challenging, because it definitely was. But I think we tried to do it with intention, and we tried mm -hmm. to do it with, you know, love and care for one another. And then it's evolved into this, like, great friendship with the two of you. 
uh, that means the world to me. And I think that that's that doesn't happen every day. So yeah, hopefully we're kind of good at talking about this because we've done it well. Yeah, I will say that 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 one I would agree with you as far as longer term relationships. You know, because we'd been together for what six or seven years. Six years at the time. Do you remember how long? You're better with dates than I am. <laughs> yes. No, like four and a half. Four Jace. and a half. We've not, okay. Yeah. You've been with Dedeker for seven years. Right. Yeah. You were with me for like almost five years, but then we've, yeah, we've now been friends for longer than we were right. uh, in wow. a relationship that's, together. That's nuts to think about, huh? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. But what I was going to say, though, is I feel like I've had, I've had some really good decouplings for things that were shorter term, like less than a year. Where it's been like, yeah, okay, this this isn't working out, and we were able to be clear and be honest with each other, which I would say overall were a lot less painful and hard than what you and I did. But what I think what you and I did is is something that's hard to do when you have like so much more of a history and that there's so much more intertwining of lives and things like that. I think is difficult to do, but I agree was was very worth it and has led to something great. Yeah, and I'm assuming. Your other relationships aren't as like your friendships with other people that you've dated is probably not quite as close as you are with me either. Yeah, unless they have secret ones. like podcasts and is running secret businesses. <laughs> right. I know. All these I, want, I don't want to assume. Right. <laughs> I don't assume. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like I've had other decouplings where we're still friendly or cordial, but not where we've remained as close. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I have a lot of experience under my belt with this, honestly. I mean, huh. same thing with Jace of like, I have definitely some short term relationships where I can think of like, okay, that breakup, that unentangling, disentangling process went relatively well with a relative minimum of damage and a lot of respect, even though it was hard or it was very sad. You know, I can point to that. I don't think I have an experience like the two of you have of a big, long term, very serious relationship. Uh, you know, decoupling or de-escalating in a way that felt good and where I still had like a really intimate friendship with the person. I've had like some serious relationships end and really just needing to take time away, you know, a long time away. And then I could become friends with the person. Um, but I don't think I've really been through this like very conscious uncoupling process. And speaking of conscious uncoupling, I think most people will maybe know that term from the book that is called Conscious Uncoupling. It was written by Catherine Woodward Thomas in 2009. It became super famous when, what was it, it was Gwyneth Paltrow and Chris Martin yep. broke up. And for some reason, they told the world, like, we're consciously uncoupling. And then and everyone, everyone went out like, and Googled huh? it and bought the book and had a great time. And <laughs> right. yeah. Consciously yeah. uncoupled from their partners. Was that the situation around it? Yeah. And I think, I don't know, did they still like go on trips, family trips together, but essentially... Are they co-parenting also? Yeah, and co-parenting, they're very um, intentional about that. But yeah, I think uh, it was this new way of kind of disentangling your life that that talks about and and you're thinking about like internally what's going on, uh, where your grievances lie and the relationship, like what you have to do with it in a way that's maybe a little bit different than a lot of breakups are where it's very like you versus them instead it's a little bit more inward right. which is kind of cool i appreciate that yeah so I, I have not read the book yet it's been on my list for a while um catherine woodward thomas she also offers like training for people who are in therapeutic or counseling backgrounds um so i'm definitely interested cool. in looking yeah. into that because i have thought like it, this seems like something that people want help with 
you yeah. know, like not just something tackling themselves. So that is something that I would like to offer in the future as a service, you know, once they get cool. a little more trained in this of being able to be someone who helps facilitate having this more intentional breakup process. Um, I never thought that I would say that I want to be there when people break up, but here I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's pretty impressive. Anyway, so for the purposes of this episode, we're going to be using both uncoupling and decoupling, I guess, kind of almost basically to mean one and the same of this intentional breaking up process. Yeah. So, okay. Do we have, we talked about the big one between me and Jace. Do we have any stories of uncoupling that were like, not good? between partners oh yeah oh, plenty yeah. You, yeah. how long we got we want to record this podcast episode for huh <laughs> we just... want to just do like a marathon five-hour episode you want to hear all the ins and oh, outs boy. <laughs> but not all of them but like uh, one that come the first one that comes to your mind well okay i'm <clears throat> can i actually start with a good story oh sure yeah, please. because i feel like i got more bad stories than good ones honestly more times that i decoupled poorly than when it when it happened really well um when I think about the times when someone has broken up with me or I've disentangled my life from someone's in a way that, like I was saying, felt really sad, but uh, also didn't feel like it caused extra damage. I think the through line that I can see is just like a lot of honesty yeah. from both sides, you know, um, because I think that what can happen is and maybe long term relationships are more prone to this, but like resentments or things that you're unhappy with or things that you wish were different in the relationship that sometimes out of fear or, or out of whatever various reasons we can choose to not express those things to a partner and just kind of hang on to them yep. and stew on them or hope that they change on their own or whatever until someday it gets just like too unbearable and that it's a big explosion and can feel like a big betrayal and the other person can be really surprised. But when I think about the more healthy processes that I've been through, that's been the the through line is that someone was just like really honest with me, you know, mm. of like, Hey, this particular thing isn't working for me, you know, or like, Hey, I think the direction we're heading in is just not working for me. And so I, I think that this is, you know, like someone who was just very clear of like, maybe this is a boundary or just, I can't do this. And so I don't think that this is going to work as opposed to coming and being like, Hey, I can't do this. You got to change or yeah. choosing to not say anything, you know? And again, it's like, it sucks, but, um, I don't know, receiving that honesty and being able to give that honesty just felt very respectful. And I think there's something about, um, respect and dignity in the breakup process that often we don't get or give to each other that can make it just so much worse. Totally. I agree. That's my TED talk. Your turn. I, <laughs> uh, yeah, I've definitely had not great breakups, especially in college. Um, and I think it, I agree that it, they tend to perhaps be those ones that don't include the the dignity and respect that perhaps the relationship deserves or where things are festering for a long time. And after a while, it just kind of all comes to a head and then that's it. Mm -hmm. uh, there have also been times where I've been super blindsided. Um, also mm -hmm. in college, ugh. unless you like meet the one in college, <laughs> I don't know how like any relationship in college is good. Maybe, yeah, I don't yeah, know. It kind of depends on, yeah, it depends on on the person it does yeah yeah but um i think that absolutely you it's a skill to a degree and you can get better at it over time yeah and what's coming up for me in this question about bad breakups is you know sure there have been bad ones where 
one person or the other is mean or feels blindsided or something. But what comes to mind for me is specifically a breakup that I had several years ago now, but that was a very serious relationship. We were engaged and we ended up breaking up. And it was one that I think was very, like it was respectful. I think there was a lot of love there that still happened through it. And yet my experience of it was pretty bad because mm. I just think that I kind of maturity wise or maybe self-awareness wise or something wasn't quite there yet to be able to, to, to like you took it personally or yeah, that for me it's, and I don't know how much of it was conditioning that I should feel yeah. mad about this. Yeah. I don't exactly. know. I don't know how much was that. I don't know how much was that it was an injury to my pride and therefore I had to be upset with her about it. But it definitely was this thing of the breakup itself was very reasonable. We stayed in touch. We're civil to each other, all of that. But I just couldn't get myself to not be upset about it fast enough. You know, a couple of years later, I wasn't at all. But by then, our relationship had drifted apart to the point where we don't even really stay in touch. I think we're still Facebook friends and I'll see her stuff sometimes. But it's not like we're not as in touch as I think we could have been if I'd if I'd been able to kind of understand that a little better and let a little bit of my pride out of the way and maybe just had a little more maturity at the time. Well, we're really not given any models for how a relationship ending could turn out well no. or That's turn true. out with a, with yeah with that dignity or respect or minimum of damage like really I, I cannot think of i can't think of an example in our media i i can think of an example now in my adult life of other adult friends but like when i was growing up i can't think of an example of seeing adults do that like we really don't i mean what about it's hard to have with paltrow we just talked yeah, about maybe that, that. <laughs> maybe that <laughs> some marriages breaking up or like i think of demi Moore and um what's what's his face no, the other one, oh. the um, because Ashton Kutcher's now with Mila the other, Kunis, the other Ashton Kutcher, Bruce, Bruce Willis, Bruce Willis. Oh, right, and they, right, right. Yeah, they still like go on family trips together, even though they're not romantically involved. That's something I actually have for a long time felt like a lot of those celebrity relationships that we're aware of. I think actually a lot more of those end very civilly than we're aware of, because no mm. matter how civil it is and in all their statements and all the evidence you see, the tabloids still are going to make it seem like a disaster. And we see those when we're in the checkout at the grocery store, right? So you're kind of constantly being exposed to this like, oh, hmm, I guess it is actually terrible. And I bet actually mm. a lot more of those than we realize are are amicable and respectful. Yeah, maybe. According to the news, I mean, Demi Moore and Bruce Willis have also chosen to, to uh, lock down together. Actually. Wow. Yeah. Even though, you know, you know, clearly like still still exes, you know, but still being co parents. I love it. I think it's interesting. It's awesome. Yeah. Love so so Dedeker, you were totally wrong. There's tons of great examples. <laughs> well, okay. I did not, I'm sorry. I did not grow up I did not grow up with Bruce Willis or Gwyneth Paltrow as like my best friends. So mm, Yeah, okay. It's true. true. <laughs> Almost our friend groups, probably not as many good examples. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So as we get into this, we're going to talk about some statistics about breakups and exes. Just real quick, go through this. Number one is that uh, 2017 CDC data says that around 40% of marriages end in divorce. You know, those numbers get tossed around between 40 and 50. But basically, 
it is very high. It's incredibly likely that that's going to happen. So I think it's something worth being aware of and not treating like some forbidden thing we can't talk about. Yeah, and I saw in various various articles that the average monogamous person has five major relationships before they get married. And so it's just something to think about that maybe getting good at breaking up is probably a good thing to start being able to do. Yeah, Yeah, just because you're going to probably be breaking up with some people in your life, most likely, unless you meet the love of your life in high school and that's it and you never break up. Yeah, you're probably going to need to get good at it. And I've also, um, you know, experts in interviews talked about the fact that like sometimes when you're polyamorous, it's just like a numbers game. Like you're going to have more breakups because you're dating more people. Yeah. Right. You know, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. that's just going to happen. Absolutely. So, okay. 2013, there was a study in couple family psychology that said the most commonly reported major con- contributors to divorce were lack of commitment, infidelity, and conflict or arguing. And then the most common final straw reasons were also infidelity, domestic violence, and substance abuse. Right. So we kind of get these two different levels of like, the, it sounds like the most common kind of over time situation. Well, all these can be over time, I suppose. But it's interesting that they distinguish with like the quote unquote final straw reasons for people leaving. Right. It's interesting. I also feel like that's very different from other statistics I've seen that talk more about it being, I mean, probably also conflict and arguing being part of it, but that, you know, money is the one that always comes up as a mm. major cause. Well, of but that's like a topic. Yeah, you know? you're right. I guess yeah. it's something that causes the the distress that eventually yeah. draws them to infidelity or arguing. Right. Yeah. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. Um, uh, Your Tango also conducted a poll of a thousand people about breakups, and they found that people still tend to care a lot about the person that they have left, um, which really shouldn't be that surprising. I do think that in a lot of breakups, the love or affection or connection that's there is often not the problem. I also think it's interesting to clarify this that care a lot about doesn't necessarily mean I love this person. They're so great, but I think about them a lot. I think about like them. I, yeah. I am careful of them. I am care. Do you know what I mean? I care Caring about what's or... happening. Yeah. Uh-huh. I think that's Interested a distinction in worth them. making that this isn't clear which type of caring it is. Yeah. So they found the majority of people remain emotionally attached to their exes, but are not necessarily friends with them still. And mm. they determine this by asking things like, you know, do you still think about your exes? Do you still look them up on Facebook or do you check in with them um, or check in on them on other forms of social media? This was very interesting. A third of people have had sex with an ex and 20 percent of people have done it more than once. Heck yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I'm like, we're going to get into that a little bit more. It was not the response I was expecting. <laughs> yeah. A study in the Journal of Archives of Sexual Behavior surveyed 125 undergraduates, and they found that two-thirds of the participants have been in a friends-with-benefits-type relationship, and that 36% were currently in one. So... That's a lot of people. Yeah, it's a common thing. We talked about Definitely that a lot. way back on another way episode back. about Yeah, we benefits. talked about it on yeah. our Google Talks, I think, oh, too. Oh, okay. Maybe, yeah, yeah. that exact statistic. Um, and then a University of Kansas study found that 60% of people remain friends with their exes. That's interesting. That high. High. I know. If it's self-reporting, though, I suppose... It's like, oh, yeah, we're still friends, but maybe you only... But it's like, what does friends mean? Talk once every few years. But I guess I have some friends that I would call friends that we do that, too. So, all right. There you go. 
Um, and also out of the University of Kansas, a grad student, Rebecca Griffith, found that the reasoning behind staying friends with an ex include things like security, not wanting to lose the ex's emotional support, or practical reasons like having to worry about finances, manage finances together, or dealing with co-parenting or having a shared friend group. Um, it includes just wanting to remain civil and kind and hopefully soften the blow of the breakup. And it also includes, you know, some people still having romantic feelings for the ex or keeping them kind of in your sphere in case mm -hmm. something better doesn't come along, which sounds kind of nefarious. But hey, we're human beings and we do that kind of stuff sometimes. Yeah, for sure. So we're going to discuss a couple things to think about before you actually commit to breaking up with someone and then talk about how to break up with someone well and then some stuff that might happen while you're in the midst of a breakup and finally transitions that can happen once you are finally broken up. So lots to discuss here. Um, and before you break up with someone... Or if you feel like, hey, this is possibly coming, I feel like my partner and I are not really jiving here, we're not doing as well as we possibly can be, I there are a couple things to think about. So um, poly.land, which is Paige Turner's site, it's really great. I highly recommend checking it out. There are so, so many amazing articles on there. Um, but she had an article discussing breakups with your partner and speaking about how you want to be broken up with at the beginning of a relationship. This is really interesting to me because it tends to like kind of set the scene like, okay, we think that maybe this is going to happen at some point. Um, but it is a nice idea. Like some people do want to be broken up with over text and they want to be able to have uh, a sort of a mourning grieving process by themselves. And other people really want to be broken up with in person and, you know, have it discussed, have it all laid out. So getting to like say, hey, this is how I prefer to be broken up with if the this ever does arise, that's a really interesting idea. Yeah, I recently listened to a TED talk by a divorce lawyer that was specifically about, you know, how we could be possibly benefited by thinking about creating our marriages or creating our relationships through the lens of how it is that they're going to end. And wow. of course, because she was a divorce lawyer, that was more about, um, you know, things like how are we going to think about particular financial resources or tangible properties as we're signing, you know, a mortgage agreement or something right. like that, as well as thinking about when I choose to sacrifice on my dreams for, a couple of years so that you can pursue your dreams, you know, is that, am I kind of doing this because I'm expecting that there's going to be that exchange in a couple of years or things mm. like that? You know, um, how's that going to feel when I'm ending the relationship, if I'm ending the relationship? So I, there is definitely, I think, some value to thinking about your relationships through the lens of how they might end. It just seems like a hard thing to put into practice because when do you have that conversation with somebody? Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. she's essentially saying like really, really towards the beginning of a relationship. Mm -hmm. But again, it, it is that intentionality, which seems like something that we all should be doing a lot right now in, in any capacity with any type of relationship. Well, I don't know. It's occurring to me that it seems like maybe a good transition into getting that information or sharing that information is for the two of you in your relationship to have a conversation kind of like what we're having of the times that we were broken up with when it was really shitty 
or the times where it actually felt less shitty, mm-hmm. you know, and sometimes yeah. that can be a way of kind of easing into that conversation. I imagine of it being about the past instead of it being about like, let's make our breakup plan. Absolutely. You know, maybe eventually you'll get there, but uh, yeah, yeah. Really yeah. Interesting. Paige also talks about how, if you are non-monogamous, that dating multiple people can give you the opportunity to see how your partner handles breakups with other people uh, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Right. That, I know that yeah, for me, being being polyamorous has been, I, I think I've learned so much more during that time than in the equivalent amount of time before that being monogamous, because it's given me the ability to not only observe more of my own startings and endings of relationships, but also to see my partners go through those. And when someone you're close to is going through a breakup or getting into a relationship, you're kind of able to see more of the details of that than you would with someone who's just more of a casual friend or something like that. So I definitely found that that's a, that's another good way. So I agree with what Paige is saying here, that that can give you some clues to see how they handle breakups, what they react well to and what they don't. Yeah. Um, so something else to think about before uh, pulling the ripcord or before taking actions toward uncoupling or breaking up with someone in some way um, is to bear in mind just the context that we're all in right now, that our brains try to find control, even in situations where we don't have a lot of control, like a pandemic. Um, So our brains have this defense mechanism known as displacement that helps us try to gain a better sense of control over the world. So as in we can displace or project emotions that we have naturally arising from the state of the world, like frustration or anxiety or annoyance or a loss of control or safety. And we can kind of project those onto what's in front of us, which can be our relationship or our partner or our house or our kids or things like that. Mm -hmm. You know, I definitely know what I noticed about myself very early on in lockdown was I I don't know, just definitely this phenomenon of like the world feeling like it's shrinking. And so when the world feels like it's shrinking, suddenly the problems, what were small problems feel a lot bigger. It's almost kind of like this big fish, small pond Mm. kind of situation that when you make the pond something a lot smaller, uh, the tiny fish looks a lot bigger comparatively. And so I know for myself, it was definitely a lot of like projecting onto my partner, the issues that I often had never to the point of like, I need to leave this relationship. Um, but that's definitely something that I was really subject to as well. And so I think this is just to let you know, like, it's okay to take a pause and take a minute to kind of check yourself, you know, check if any irritability or frustration or feeling out of control is occurring really because of your partner or the relationship, or if it's, uh, related to bigger things as well. Yeah. Not again. And I mean, if sometimes you just have that gut feeling and you know that it's time to get out, so it's not to cast any doubt on that, but just that it's okay to take your time to sort through those things for yourself. Right. So that's kind of the other side is that potentially being forced to be in closer quarters with someone or being forced to be long distance with someone. Maybe this is highlighting some inco- incompatibility issues that the two of you have had but haven't been able to see so clearly yet. And in those cases, yes, this this could be a good time to see, okay, I'm glad I learned this now, and we can break up. So Psychology Today suggested writing out your thoughts regarding the dissatisfaction and then trying to start having gentle conversations with your partner about them during the breakup, like as part of the breakup, writing it down so that it's clearer in your head. So you're not sort of put on the spot and have that panic of like, "Uh, I can't answer your questions. I don't know how. I think that's a really great 
place to start. And I've never done that in a breakup before, but Write stuff I do down. find, yeah, I do oh, find I've, so I've often, a bunch. Yeah. really, yeah, I think it's, it, that's such a good idea just because even just for serious talks, not even just yeah, breakups, but like I have yeah. to write it down or, or I'm going to have the conversation, think it's done. And then the next day be like, ah, oh, shit, there was one other thing. And now yeah. oh, do I have to do that again. Uh, and it kind of, I mean, not necessarily, but it can take the like intense emotionality out of it that sometimes happens in the moment. And then all of a sudden you're saying the wrong thing. Mm. Instead, it can be like, here, I wrote this out. I really like composed my thoughts well. And then you're able to say it hopefully more compassionately. I, another thing that we talked about earlier is that honesty is a very good thing to have when breaking up, but brutality, I would say is not. Don't be an asshole here. Uh, be as kind as you can while breaking up and let your partner really know what the relationship did mean to you and your appreciation for it while also being clear that like, however, this is where, you know, I, I do feel like I need to step away from this. I another thing that I found was to not drag out the breakup. I know mm -hmm. that a lot of people may sort of try to do it in chunks or like, hey, I need to have a talk with you and and maybe allude to that being a possibility, but not actually do it for another week or something along those lines. And from what I've seen, clean breaks are sort of the best, like rip the bandaid off as opposed to sort of stringing your partner along. Yeah, and I, I would say also just along with that is the whole, like, we need to talk, let's do it in a week, is rough. Yeah. That's a rough Whoa. thing to put someone yeah, through. No, you that's know? a lot of anxiety. No, <laughs> yeah, thank you. I've been there and it sucks. Uh, I did yeah. want to say, in case we hadn't mentioned it before, just that with all of this, this is assuming that the two of you are fairly respectful of each other, that this is a safe relationship, and that this is one that you do want to do your best to have this more conscious, intentional uncoupling. If this is something where you just got to cut and run, just cut and run. Ignore all of what we just said and just like get out of there. If it's that point, right, where it's just awful and you just need to leave, do that. That This is sort of assuming that this is a relationship that you think you can have this type of breakup. Yeah. Um, and I think in the interest of keeping things clean, of maintaining as much respect and dignity as you possibly can. Um, it's important to also not jump into being your ex-partner's sole support system for the breakup itself or vice versa. Don't make them your sole support system for going through this breakup. And I know it's so easy for us to fall into it because you have the history and you know each other. And sometimes it can feel like, well, they're the only person who actually knows what I'm going through. Mm -hmm. And so let's, uh, you know, have 1600 closure conversations like we talked about in our episode a couple right. weeks ago. <laughs> um, you know, reach out to friends, to family, to professionals, someone that you trust instead of number one choice is we turn to toward each other to work through the pain of breaking up. Okay. So uh, these are only just a couple of things to get you started. There's a lot of resources out there as well for talking about, um, you know, ways to keep this uncoupling or de-escalating process very clean and clear and uh, intentional. We're going to be rolling along talking about some things to consider that might happen while you're in the midst of this decoupling process, as well as the transitions that may happen once you're finally broken up. But first, we're going to take a moment to talk about this week's sponsors. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just gonna circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. For a long time now, we've been fans of AdamandEve.com for getting sex toys or lingerie or accessories, things like that. It's just a fantastic resource with a huge selection. And now, not only do we have a fantastic offer, but we also have a promo code that will work on adammail.com and evestoys.com, which are their site specifically for LGBTQ audiences. And our code is fantastic. It's 50% off of almost any item in the store and free discreet shipping when you use our code MULTI. Yes, we love adamandeve.com and have for years. They are our oldest and longest sponsor, and they just keep on giving great gifts to us and to our listeners. You can bring more pleasure and satisfaction into your bedroom by going to adamandeve.com, adammail.com, or evestoys.com and select any one item. It can be, you know, an adventurous new toy or anything you desire, something fun, something sexy, whatever sounds good. So just enter offer code MULTI at checkout and you'll get 50% off almost any item plus free shipping. That's multi, M-U-L-T-I, at adamandeve.com, adammail.com, or evestoys.com. This is an exclusive offer that is specific to this podcast, and it's better than any offer that is currently available on their site. So again, use code MULTI to get you not just the 50% discount, but also the 100% free shipping. Code M-U-L-T-I. All right. So in this uncoupling, decoupling, de-escalating process, there's some things that can happen that are important to take into consideration. I think especially if you're on the train of trying to de-escalate a relationship instead of just a harsh mm-hmm. break or decoupling, there can be this weird transitory phase where we're trying to figure out like what are we to each other? You can find yourself still continuing to act like a couple for a while. I've noticed mm-hmm. that this has come up with some clients of where it's like, yeah, like we're on a pause, but nothing's really changed. Like we still like text each other goodnight and call each other pet names and and still cuddle. And like, I don't really know what's going on, you know? Um, So especially if right now you are cohabiting uh, after ending a relationship, it can be really difficult to not fall back into just the same routine of physical and emotional intimacy that you used to have. Uh, Again, if the two of you feel that uncoupling is the best idea or de-escalating is the best idea, it's probably a good idea to figure out some concrete ways to enact that, to actually put that into practice in your real life, how to actually kind of change these routines into new routines, and maybe even intentionally create some emotional or physical distance between the two of you. This kind of living in limbo and ambiguity, even though it can be comfortable to a certain extent of kind of like, well, we said that we'd break up, but now we're just kind of doing the same thing. And so maybe it's not that, or maybe, you know, I don't know. The ambiguity is rough. It can lead to anxiety and question marks and just wondering if and when it's actually going to be over or not. So a couple of things to bear in mind to maybe help disrupt just falling back into that routine. Yeah, you talked about the pet names thing. I, I don't know if you remember this, Jace, but like right after we broke up, you were like, baby, and then you were like, 
damn it, I have to stop saying that. And it hurt a lot. It sucked. But you were right. Like, it was, like, the thing to transition away from. Um, yeah. even though it sucked in the moment. No, I know. When, when, Emily, when you wrote this one down on the list for this episode, I was like, oh shit. Yeah. It's so hard because you get into yeah. the habit of calling them one thing. And yeah. I think that it's something that would be helpful to have a conversation about it too, hmm. as part of that uncoupling process to say, okay, let's change the names that we call each other. So that there's sort of, you've planned it ahead of time, as opposed to what you just described, where it's like me just realizing, ah, shit, I need to stop calling you that. And then it's, ooh, that's a surprise. I didn't expect it. And it's just something you don't even think about. But it was so weird for me to call you M or Emily at the time, whereas now it feels very natural. But that Mm -hmm. transition is, is challenging to change that habit. Totally. And, uh, similarly trying to like, get out of the habit of physical contact things, even smaller things like kissing and handholding. And, you know, it's, it's hard, but you also need to navigate like what that specifically means and like what that's going to look like now. And again, a conversation regarding those things is really, really helpful. And I think especially with deescalating where it's like, well, maybe you're not, we're not totally throwing away all the normal trappings of like romantic or sexual connection but being very clear on like what is and isn't on the table in your relationship and also being honest with yourself of like can i have sex with this person while excluding x y and z you know or is that going to be too difficult for me and sometimes when you're in the midst of transition it's hard to be honest in that way with yourself i was just going to say i think this is one that you can have multiple conversations about yeah, because it, it could change over time. Right. And it can be a quick check-in of just, hey, uh, you know, let's have another check-in again in a week about how we're feeling about the names we're calling each other and our physical contact or what we're doing together. Just, again, if you are still living together, especially where you're going to be around each other all the time, plan for those regular check-ins about it. So like we said, don't make the breakup stretch out. But it is okay to check in during that transitioning process. I think that for Emily and myself, recording a podcast together every week was something that kind of forced us to be in that situation of talking about relationships in more of an abstract. And so I think Mm -hmm. that can be really helpful in this case. Yeah. So just, you know, create a podcast podcast with your ex and you'll be fine. No problem. (laughs) Which Jace has secretly been doing this entire time with every single ex is just going on to create secret podcasts. podcasts Wouldn't that be ridiculous? It's the only coping mechanism he knows. I know. Good God. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And another thing is to maybe don't attend events together, like as each other's plus one or plus whatever. At least not right away. Yeah, at least not right away. Yeah, give each other, like, some space and time. Um, One of the articles that I read discussed going to a wedding and that, like, they had booked going, Mm. you know, to a beautiful hotel and stuff together. And then they broke up before the wedding and she decided, hey, I'm not going to go because this is you're the best man. And I'm going to give you that that week and that weekend as opposed to me going and you being reminded of the fact that we just broke up. So I think that that is another good way to like be respectful and create a little bit of distance during this sort of tumultuous time. Yeah. And I would say that that was something that Emily, you and I went to some events fairly early on that we had booked Mm -hmm. beforehand or whatever. And it was tough. It was hard and a little awkward. And then at about the 
How long like was six it? Month, six month, month mark. mark. Yeah. We went to something together that we had booked and then it was finally like, oh, this is fine now. But mm -hmm. in that interim, it was hard and it was better for us to just kind of have some space to reestablish how we are and who we are. Yeah. Uh, so next one on our list here is if you're in a monogamous relationship, especially, but even if you're not, uh, now is not the time to get all jealous and territorial about who they're dating or who they're hanging out with or seeing. It's just, that's, that's not your job. That's not your role. And that's not going to help you or them if that's where you start going with this. And I know that's so much easier said than done, but really just remind yourself that's not, that's not my place. I'm also going to clarify, it's okay to feel jealous. Sure, sure. Like, your feelings are not wrong or bad. That's yeah. understandable for mm -hmm. that to, to come up. But, but enacting, acting yeah. on that might be problematic at this time. Yes, mm -hmm. not trying to clearly or passive-aggressively say things to them about that or accuse them about it or whatever. It's just not, not the time. You're not going to help anyone. That's not your job anymore it never was it never was it was never your job and it's still not now <laughs> never there we your go. job <laughs> uh, and then if you are still living together see if you can find ways to be have your own space and i know that that's not not a luxury that everyone has of literally having being able to sleep in separate rooms even or something like that depending on your situation but finding ways to have your own space as much as possible through the day let that be something that you can negotiate about and try to figure out. And if you're still falling into these patterns, you're still carrying on like a couple, it is okay to ask yourselves, okay, are we actually broken up? Is this something we really want? Is it the best decision for us or not? You know, this can be a cue of like, okay, we need to have just a more serious check-in conversation about this. And sometimes you do find that, uh, at least I've definitely witnessed that sometimes once the task of needing to save the relationship is off the table, that sometimes you can have much more honest conversations with people once that pressure is off. Like mm -hmm. all the time I see it with clients of like, if they finally break up with someone and then for the first time they can finally just have an honest conversation about how they're really feeling. And then sometimes that prompts getting back together or sometimes it just prompts being much more clear of like what they need in order to actually kind of uncouple more effectively. But yeah, that could be a cue that like, maybe we just need to have a more specific check-in about this. Yeah. Yeah. So this breakup this uncoupling, this transitional phase, it can be tough on the other people in your life as well. It's not just affecting like the two people that are going through it, but also other partners, friends, family. I know that I am notorious for talking about my ex with like my mom uh -huh. over and over again for like months. And my mom has just eventually been like, okay, we're not, like, you're done now. Right. Like, we're not going to do this anymore. <laughs> um, and it, so maybe understand, at least have it in the back of your head, that this can be a challenging time for everyone involved. So if you are feeling a lot of negative energy, negative emotions, try your best. And it's understandable if you do a bit. And even if you have like an evening where, hey, I just got to get it all out on the table, but try not to bring this like uber negative energy into your other relationships, especially if you're non-monogamous, but your friends, your family, any of the above. Yeah. And again, I mean, not that anyone's expecting you to just keep these things totally compartmentalized, but I think it's more the lines of like taking this out on 
other partners. You right. know, it's of like, course, you there's going to be some ripple. Yeah, yeah. like seek support, yeah. but don't take it out on them. I think maybe that's the distinction to make. Yeah. Another thing to bear in mind if you're non-monogamous is that your existing partner or partners, uh, they're also losing a connection in some way as well. Um, you know, they're losing a metamor, essentially. Or uh, this could be also your friend who could be just in an awkward position because they're also close to the person that you broke up with. And so your friend or your partner, they could be inclined to take your side. They could be inclined to not take your side. They may want to totally stay out of it. Um, and so it's just really important for everyone to be aware of boundaries around about what it is that they need, you know, boundaries around um, allowing people to kind of maintain uh, appropriate relationships of what, you know, what they need and things like that. That's kind of dependent on what your situation is, you know, of like how comfortable or how accessible it feels for like your partner to still be friends with their metamor or, or whatever. Or you may break up and your partner's just like overjoyed because they hated that metamor. That happens too. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true. So like, like Emily was saying about don't take it out on the people close to you. Also, Try not to make it the only thing you ever talk about for weeks on end. I've definitely um, done that. You know, allow time for those people who are close to you to console you. And like, absolutely lean on them for support. Having a support network is huge. It's important for dealing with any kind of grief. So, yes, absolutely take advantage of that. But also be sure that you are being a good friend slash partner slash family member who's also there for them. And you're invested in your time with them, whether that's your date time with them or it's family time or just hanging out with your friends. And you could go back and listen to episode 284, where we talked about transitioning between different parts of your life. Uh, that in this, like transitioning from the I need support, I'm upset, I'm grieving to, OK, now I'm in the zone for hanging out with my friend or being on this date. Yeah. And it's also possible that it may not be difficult for you to transition between, you know, dealing with the pain um, and grief of dealing with this breakup and then shifting gears when you're with another partner or or with a particular partner. And remember that grieving in general is different for everybody. And for some people, it's easier to make those seamless transitions. So I've definitely heard people say, oh, well, are breakups just easier when you're polyamorous because... You know, you have other partners and maybe that helps somewhat, but breakups are difficult for everyone. And really just like having a good support network is super vital for dealing with any grieving process. So if you are monogamous or polyamorous, uh, having others help you and support you during this time, it's really imperative. So definitely if you're going through some stuff, if you're having a rough time, find some support. Don't make it your ex, but there <laughs> hopefully are a lot of other people around you who can help you out during this time. All right. So then we can talk about the age old question of how do you friend with ex after uncouple? <laughs> how indeed? How yeah. indeed do you? Can you can you friend? Should you friend? Will you friend? When will you friend? These are the important questions. Um, of course, lots of opinions floating around out there. I definitely heard some people say it's totally inappropriate to be friends with an ex or people say they just have no desire whatsoever to be friendly with an ex. I've definitely been there for sure. Uh, we found that uh, Terry Conley uh, did their PhD research at the University of Michigan in their stigmatized sexualities lab, and they found that uh, more polyamorous people are friends with their exes than 
monogamous people. It doesn't surprise which, me, really. No. Yeah, a couple contributing factors to that, just if I were to guess, you know, one of them being that often it's these very tight-knit, sometimes incestuous communities where yeah. sometimes you're kind of forced to have to be on good terms with somebody mm. for better or worse. Um, exactly. That that. They've found that in LGBTQ communities as well, that it's sort right. of a much more tight-knit, smaller group. So you're probably going to be around the same people fairly frequently, and you just kind of got to gotta learn to get along. Right. Like there's more out. motivation to just figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. It seems like it's also kind of tied to just the general non-monogamous or polyamorous value system as well. Maybe that's because people are more open to exploring things like de-escalation, you know, where it's not necessarily this binary black and white, either we're in a relationship or we're not, um, mm -hmm. yeah. where it's maybe more accessible to be able to kind of make that transition. Um, I have seen that backfire a little bit in that some people in the polyamorous community feel bad if they don't want to be friends with an ex. And, yeah, you know, I definitely totally. want to reassure people that you don't have to feel bad about that. That's okay, too. Um, and we don't want to ever create a situation where someone's feeling pressure to be friends with an ex that they don't want to. Because that's no. not nice. That's really not nice. Mm -hmm. um, so if you do have an interest in maintaining a friendship after the uncoupling um, and your former partner is also interested as well, that's very important that this is kind of a mutual interest that the two of you have. It's okay to give it some time so that the two of you can heal before engaging with one another emotionally again. That is okay. You know, it's okay if it's not next week or next month or even the, in the next six months, it's okay to give it some time. Yeah. Time and space, like we talked about before, literal actual space where you're not necessarily at the same events doing the same things, living in the same house, stuff like that. If you, if possible, then try to respect each other's boundaries during that time. Because boundaries, you know, being respectful, that's what makes a good friend. And uh, yeah. good words to live by. Yeah. And it is interesting. I've talked about this on the show before, that it feels like the only time, I mean, well, in my experience, the only time that I've ever been in a conversation, like arguing with someone about whether or not I've been a good friend or not has been with an ex. <laughs> um, like with my friends, I don't really get into those kind of argue those yeah. kind of arguments. It's usually when I've been tried, when I've tried to become friends with an ex a little too soon, that then we can kind of get in the weeds of like, oh, well, a friend wouldn't do this or a friend wouldn't say no to my plans with this, you know, things like that. And so I think a good litmus test, especially if you're, you know, plugged into the non-monogamous scene is like, if you, if you feel like you really can bring that kind of more relationship anarchy approach to it of like, I can treat this person as a friend, the way that I treat all my other friends, you know, that means like a minimum of possessiveness and, and the way that we negotiate time together is different, then maybe that's a sign that it's time to be friends again. If that feels difficult for you, that's not a bad thing, but maybe it's okay to just give it more time and space. I would say on that same vein with thinking about sort of the relationship anarchy idea of each relationship is custom made rather than just slapping one label on it and then everything about that should apply, is that the label friend covers a huge range of things, right? There's people I refer to as friend who we maybe talk once every couple years. And there's people who I call friend who... Uh, you know, like Emily, who I see multiple times a week and do business ventures with and go on trips with. And, you know, there's people I'm super close or friends that I babysit their kids. And then there's other friends who will just see each other at work, but I'd still call them a friend. So there's this huge range of what is included in friend. And I think that's where that 
problem can come up, like Dedeker mentioned, of you're not being a good enough friend because we just think we can slap this label on and we both understand and agree on what that means. And I don't think we even agree with ourselves moment to moment about what that means. So I think having that relationship anarchist approach of as we're doing this, let's evaluate what that means. What are specifically the things that we want to do together? How do we want this relationship to be? We can still be like, yeah, we're friends. We'll check in maybe once a week or once a month or however often feels comfortable for you. And then we'll just take it from there. And we'll be friendly to each other. And then maybe eventually it's like, okay, let's hang out a little bit more or let's see each other more often if that feels comfortable. But don't feel like because you put this label of friend, it has to look like one specific type of friend. Totally. So all of this, in conclusion, this is about decoupling intentionally with intentionality. And part of doing that, I think, sometimes is having outside perspective. Someone who is not specifically like in your corner, but who has um, an objective viewpoint regarding all of this. And if you can, I definitely highly recommend maybe seeing someone during this time if you aren't already. I know uh, there's a lot of like great resources right now. Most most online things or most things are being done online. Like by seeing via, someone, you mean like yeah, a, a therapist or a, a therapist or something. Okay. Exactly. Or yeah. Yeah. Yeah, or a coach or someone. And I mean, Dedeker, you always do all your stuff online. But yeah, and even um, like BetterHelp and there are a bunch of different apps out there for doing fairly reasonably priced therapy. Um, Just because I know from my own personal doing things maybe without intentionality and just talking my everyone's ear off around me um, about my exes. That that can be challenging over time for them, and it's nice to be able to have that on or that perspective from somebody else. So if you can, I definitely highly recommend it. So we are going to move into our bonus episode for our patrons and talk about friends with benefits, because sometimes your exes turn into a kind of comet relationship, like a, uh, someone who you come back to in a sexy way and so we're going to talk about that because there's yeah some like stigmatized mean stuff about that from some people and then it's actually really quite common more common than you think as we talked about before yeah i guess not just not just friends with benefits but talking about just sex with your ex in general too and the Mm -hmm. pros and cons of that and some of the different opinions and different things people have found about that yeah kind of the whole The whole whole sex-related thing when it comes to this ex-person. Yeah, exactly. This ex-person. I love it. So, yeah, we want to hear about your breakup stories. Has it happened recently to you? Did you try to decouple with intentionality? Did it go horribly? We want to hear about that. So the best place to share your thoughts with other listeners is on this episode's discussion thread in our private Facebook group or Discord chat. You can get access to these groups and join our exclusive community by going to patreon.com slash multiamory. In addition, you can share with us publicly on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, and you can email us at info at multiamory.com. 
Multiamory is created and produced by Jace Lindgren, Dedeker Winston, and me, Emily Matlack. Our episodes are edited by Mauricio Balvanetta. Our social media wizard is Will McMillan. Our production assistants are Rachel Shenowork and Carson Collins. Our theme song is Forms I Know I Did by Josh and Anand from the Fractal Cave EP. And the full transcript is available on this episode's page on multiamory.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.